0: Hello, this is Joe and TJ, and we are the Schoolhouse 302, and we want to welcome you back to Focus Ed for season four. We are truly excited. Focus Ed is a collaborative project with the University of Delaware, the Delaware Department of Education, and the two of us, Joe and TJ, at the Schoolhouse 302. TJ. TJ tell our audience
1: a bit more about Focus Ed. Absolutely, Focus Ed is a podcast that gets recorded with a live audience. We do 14 episodes every season. We're in season four, but you can find season one, two, and three on our site at theschoolhouse302.com. It's a professional development experience for anyone who wants to attend And then we blast it out from our site. We interview great leaders, authors of popular books, and experts in teaching, learning, and leading so that you can lead better and grow faster in your school or district.
0: Thank you for listening to Focus Ed, and we hope you'll join us live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our show, Focus Ed. Each episode of Focus Ed, we invite expert guests to join us. In this episode, we have Lainey Rao. Thank you for joining us on the show, Lainey.
2: Thank you so much for having me. This is so wonderful. I love seeing all these faces.
0: Yeah, very unique way to do this podcast. We love it and really love our supporters and just have heard wonderful feedback from everyone. So it's great. Our focus today is on Lainey's book, Evolving with Gratitude. And we want to hear anything you may say, Lainey, about how school leaders can intentionally practice gratitude, but also build this culture. And we really love how you build this out in different spaces within this book. TJ, why don't you tell our audience a bit more about Lainey?
1: Sure thing, Joe. Thanks for that. Laney Rao is an educator and international consultant who specializes in working with other educators to find innovative and sustainable ways to transform teaching and learning. Her areas of focus include community building, learner-driven design, online and blended learning, and professional learning. During her 25 years in education, Laney has taught elementary, secondary, and higher education. She also served in a district-level leadership position, supporting 22,000 students and 1,200 teachers in 33 schools. As a consultant, Laney's client list ranges from Fortune 100 companies like Apple and Google to school districts and independent schools. Laney's a TEDx speaker with more than 15 years of experience presenting at regional, national, and international conferences, including Learning Forward, the Digital Learning Annual Conference, Building Learning Communities, Leadership 3.0 Symposium, and more. Her work has been highlighted in many publications, including Edutopia, OC Family Magazine, ACD, K-12 Leadership, Smart Brief, Getting Smart, and PBS NewsHour. Since 2014, Laney has been a consultant for the Orange County Department of Education's Institute for Leadership Development, facilitating professional learning for administrators. You can learn more about Laney at laineyrall.com. We'll link to that in the show notes, and you can see highlights of her work on LinkedIn. You can also subscribe to her newsletter at LaineyRowell.com backslash subscribe. Again, that will be in the show notes with links to all of the content that we talk about today, and we're going to dive right in. Laney, like Joe said, you wrote a book called Evolving with Gratitude. First, why did you feel compelled to write this book on this topic, and what do you want educators to get from it?
2: Well, for, thank you for that very generous introduction. I appreciate this question. And I will say that my first book actually came out March 13th of 2020. And that's a day that I think we all remember. And I see some faces here acknowledging that that was probably not a great day to launch a book, obviously bigger and more important things were happening in the world to do with humanity, but it was a really hard thing because I poured my heart into that book with Lauren Steinman and Christy Andre, and we wrote it for five years and gratitude was not a feeling that was overwhelming me. I'll be honest and and go back to this time. We thought we had two weeks and we were all going to be back. So I was just a little bit like, oh, I don't want anyone to be hurting. I want everyone to be healthy, but this is so annoying. And then about at some point, like within that first week of shutdown, I came across this poem by Laura Kelly Fanucci, and it starts out when this is over. And it's this really lovely, I never do it justice, but you know, it says things like, you know, may we never take for granted, handshake with a stranger, full shelves at a store, conversations with neighbors. And it was this real like wake up call to me, like, okay, you're upset about that thing. Fair enough but there's much bigger things happening in the world. And more importantly, you know, your family is safe. You are here. You have things that you should be grateful for. And so that really kind of launched me into this, well, you know, I'm going to bring some gratitude practices into my household. And we started doing a gratitude jar and we gifted it to neighbors. And it was just this really profound impact on not only my family, but the people in my neighborhood that I gave the jars to, they were saying like, not immediately, but, you know, like a few weeks down the road, they'd be like, that was a game changer. And that's when I knew I had to like really dig into this and see what is this all about? There's apparently more to gratitude than I realized.
0: Lainey, I love that, you know, you're able to be very introspective and see that. But if I may also, as you're talking, your whole you know focus is about the evolving leader and how you have evolved through experiences. And so that's no different, right? Even if you couldn't see it at the time, but I hear you saying that. Is that accurate?
2: Yeah. I'm in love with the word evolving because to me, it's this, we're getting better with intention. And over time, it's not just changing for the sake of changing, it's to be the best and to continue to be the best we can be. And acknowledge that we will continue to grow over time. And so I do have a special place in my heart for that word evolving.
1: Yeah. So I know Joe's going to not be surprised by the fact that I'm going to bring this up right away here, but you draw on recent discoveries in neuroscience Mm -hmm. and how that's connected to our brains and the way gratitude works in our minds and our bodies. Can you talk about that a little bit for folks on the call today?
2: Yes. And if any of you are like, I'm not interested in the neuroscience, because that sounds really too technical. Don't worry, I'm a simple person, this will not be complicated. (laughs) But there has been about and it's still relatively new in the social sciences. But for about 25 years, there has been research done the gold standard of research on the science of gratitude, and what they have found through control groups and what they found through doing brain scans and things like that is that when we practice gratitude, when we experience and express gratitude, all these happiness chemicals flood the brain. We've got the dopamine and the serotonin, and it's just really powerful. And on top of that is when we think about, we all have what we would say a baseline of happiness, right? So, you know, today's an average day. Here's how happy I am. I get to go to the beach. I have a spike in happiness, but I'll come back down to my baseline of happiness, or I'm going to go to the doctor's office and I'm going to dip in my happiness level, but I'll get back up to my baseline relatively quickly. So... The interesting thing about becoming a grateful person and building this, cultivating this grateful disposition is that you can increase your set point of happiness up to 25%. And that's a huge gain because if you think about that, even if like I like to think I'm a pretty happy person, but you know, if I'm like a six or a seven, going up to almost a 10 is like a really big deal. And so that's where my baseline is it's happier because of the way that I experience and express gratitude. And it's not just that I feel grateful, it's that I am a grateful person.
0: And Lainey, I want to go into this idea of how do we practice gratitude? Because I think, and you give Todd Rose, I heard on another show another time, you know, really credit for this. And I'll be honest, I had never heard that word either, but you talk about equifinality, And this idea of gratitude, and I love it because I do think we can get hung up on like how, Mm -hmm. but can you talk a little bit about equifinality, the how, what that all means, so people can get to that happiness of 20 or, you know, above what they are currently at?
2: Yeah. So thank you for Todd Rose is definitely the first person I heard talk about equifinality and no, it's not that all of my favorite words start with E, but we're talking about two of them today that do. So equifinality is just a $5 word basically saying we can get the same results in the end, even if we do different things to get there. So same in the end, you could think of it as we're all going to a certain destination, but we can go different routes to get there, right? So one of the things that was super important to me when I started doing the research and when I started writing the book was I don't want to write a book that says, okay, this is how you have to practice gratitude. I wanted to write a book that said, here's how I practice gratitude. Here's how Katie Novak practices gratitude. Here's how George Kuros practices gratitude. And here are all these different practices that you could do, talking about things like savoring. I give the example of a savoring walk in the book. You know, journaling gets so much attention and don't get me wrong, journaling has been scientifically proven to be highly effective, but I don't want people to think that they have to journal And that's the only way to practice gratitude. So there's so many different ways that we can do it. And I just wanted to really share what I had learned, but also do it the way that makes sense for you. So I'll give you even another example. Like you'll hear a lot of people say, wake up and write three things you're grateful for. Friends, I am not a morning person. That is a non-starter. Like I'm not adding one more thing to my morning, but I do practice gratitude every night before I go to bed. Maybe sometimes it is a journal. Sometimes it's a conversation with my kids you know, I have all these different practices, but I don't want someone telling me you have to do it this way.
1: Yeah. I think that's inspiring for listeners because there aren't these, you know, silver bullets of gratitude. You kind of have to come at it your own way and develop the practices that work best for you. And people love to hear that they can adapt rather than adopt. And Joe and I wrote a blog about that just recently, actually. I wonder, though, if we can start to transition and connect it to schools and school leadership and school culture, because that's, I think, really important for people to say, all right, I'm going to do this as an individual, but how can I do it with my community? Our listenership is a lot of school leaders, new school leaders, principals. Can you connect the dots for that?
2: Absolutely. I would love to. Let me know if you want me to get more granular and specifics. But let me just say, first of all, that I am a psychology major. My degree is in psychology. I was placed in a non-public school to have my field hours taken care of. It just happened to be a school that I was placed in. Honestly, I think it was because it was the closest to campus that I chose it. Anyways, I fell in love with working with kids, decided I wanted to be a teacher. I mean, my family would say I changed lanes without a turn signal, but it was absolutely where I was meant to be. And one of the things that I will never forget learning from my psychology degree is the six to one praise to correction ratio. And so if you're not familiar with this, it is the idea that you would give six positive forms of feedback versus one criticism or constructive form of feedback. And so that is kind of a lot. By the way, the the experts don't even agree specifically on the ratio. Sometimes you'll hear five positives to one negative, even four positives to one negative. I'm not really so worried about the ratio, but the idea is how can I overwhelmingly make sure that people feel seen, heard, known, and valued? And am I doing that enough? I even think about it with my own kids. I will wake up in the morning, again, not a morning person. And the first thing I'm doing is scanning for what's going to need to be taken care of here. And so if I'm not watching myself, the first thing I'm going to greet my own personal children with is a negative. So I have to dial that back. And so I think as we're thinking about in our learning communities, it's really being intentional in noticing. And that's the first step in gratitude. It's notice, think, think feel, and do. And noticing can be really hard, but we really want to notice the good in others and actually share that with them. And I know that some people will think like, that's a lot, six to one, that seems intense. Just try it with one person or even just try to get two to one. And I always think about like when I'm having some friction with someone, I think the best way to change someone else's behavior is to change my behavior first. So not saying, you know, I'll be a doormat or that I'll just take anything. We have to set boundaries, tell people what is acceptable and what isn't. But when I'm really having struggles with someone or that friction, that's when I challenge myself to be like, what's my ratio with this person? Have I seen the good in them? Am I acknowledging that? You know, how can I do this in sincere and authentic ways? And that's a game changer.
0: Amy, I couldn't agree with you more. They've also studied the flip side of that. Like if five people throughout the day say something like, you look awful today. Are you feeling okay? Look, Especially now. Oh, do you have COVID? Or something like that. By the end of the day, you won't feel good. You know, they've proven that it can have such a negative effect. It only makes sense that this would have a positive effect. When we start talking about not only those relationships with school leaders and their staff, Like, what would this look like, you know, in a professional learning setting? Like, how would you actually coach people, not only on that, but in a structural, systematic way, like a teacher with their students or an administrator with their staff? So it becomes literally formulaic, again, sincere and authentic, like you said, but it's not these things we just, oh, it's Friday, I better say something, that it's actually a part of the school culture that people want to be a part of.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you, jo. And You and TJ have written about praise before. So I would love for you to jump in with anything you wanted to share about that. But I think this is where I go back to that word equifinality. I don't want to give someone a you should do this and should can be a really loaded word. But I think depending on what works best for you, you know, maybe it's to put a post-it on your desk, like six to one. It's just like a mental reminder. Maybe for some people who are super into like have a love affair with Excel or Google Sheets make a spreadsheet and actually keep track of it that way. That's way too intense for some people. I'm not saying everyone should do that. I'm just saying, figure out what feels the most natural for you. And then another thing I would say is when I'm having a struggle, especially in a school environment where I have all these amazing human resources around me, kids and adults, I like to think about how can the kids help me with this? So the six to one shouldn't be a secret in my classroom or in my school. I want to teach kids about the impact of positive to negative. I want to teach them. Like, so if we're even talking about in the classroom for writing, I want every kid to know about why it's so important that when we're doing peer editing, when we're doing peer reviews, that we are pointing out all the positives and only being super strategic about the criticisms or the constructive feedback, if you will. And then... I, as a teacher, will also be doing that because I need to be really focused on my learning goals and be like, okay, well, this is actually what we're working on today. I don't need to get out the red pen and mark this thing up to death. I'm just going to focus on the learning goal today is about, you know, a strong opening. I'm going to focus on what they need to do for the strong opening. And I'm going to, you know, make that my targeted specific feedback. And then I'm going to try and find all the good I can as far as like what they did well.
1: Yeah. I mean, I connect a lot to that in terms of leadership and just, I think the angle being strengths-based first. And so I took down a couple of quotes that you said, but also the fact that we want to notice good things about people before we try to correct things. And especially with the goal with what you're talking about in a classroom, I mean, we can find good things about students writing and lift, lift, lift before we you know, try to break something down. I do want to get just a tad bit more granular. If you were a new leader, and I know you work with leaders, can you talk about a first step? Like, okay, this is great. I'm bought in. I want to build a culture of gratitude. And I know it has to be natural for me. I understand that there's not a silver bullet, but what do I do first?
2: Yeah. And this is why there's 20 contributors sharing 18 stories in the book. So for example, you have Dwight Carter talking about, he keeps some thank you notes in the top right drawer of his desk. And when he's having a rough day, this is his self-care. He pulls it out and he writes some thank you cards to staff members who've been really shining. And he actually has like gold stars. He like makes it really, really fun. And I just want to take a moment to pause and say how specific and authentic and genuine that feels because I've had principals come to me before and say like, I put the thank you notes in the mailboxes. And I'm like, tell me more about this. Well, I wrote these really detailed thank you notes. I was very specific. Everyone got their own. And then I went and put them all in mailboxes. And I'm like, at the same time, like the same day. So like, I'm a teacher and I walk into the office and I see that everyone has the exact same card. And I assume everyone got the same message. Like you put your heart and soul into this. But it came across in a way that wasn't authentic, even though you were truly authentic. So I really like Dwight, be strategic, and he would keep track to make sure he always hit, you know, everyone at some point. Josh Stamper talks in the book, I was thinking of him when I said the spreadsheet, because he literally would keep a spreadsheet, he would ask people, what is your kind of, you know, they have the appreciation, you know, version of love languages for work. And he would keep track of what people said they wanted, knowing that we're all so unique and dynamic. And just because I'm a words of affirmation, most of the time doesn't mean I don't want an act of service from time to time. And then one of my favorite tips was this principal who she has the culture where her teachers know I walked into a classroom. It's non-evaluative. I'm just coming by with my post-it note to acknowledge what I'm seeing that you're doing. That's amazing. And this one principal in particular that I am thinking of. So she would write something wonderful on a sticky note and then she would set it on the teacher's desk and then the teacher would see it. And she loved doing this so much, she ended up putting it on student desks too. So when she saw a student actively engaged, helping a friend, you know, doing something to contribute to a discussion, whatever it was, the principal would actually write it for the student, put it on their desk. And then, you know, the students are like putting this at home on the fridge. It's like a really big deal to them. So hopefully those are some more specific examples.
0: Yeah, I think that's excellent. And one thing just for all of our listeners, the book is written this way. I think it's a really unique way that you've written this, Laney, to get people's you know ways on how they practice gratitude. And it's not just one or two contributors. There are, I believe 16. Am I right about that?
2: So it's actually 18 stories. 18. There's a couple of partnerships. So we have 20 contributors yeah. and they're beautiful stories.
0: Yeah, they're powerful. And I think that as educators, we grow in that space of knowing people are doing that. Let me ask you, Lainey, as we transition a little bit and talk about the student experience with this, if you were able to improve the student experience in every school, what would you want to see done?
2: I will go back to that phrase to correction ratio. I think that sense of belonging is a huge, huge thing. I think it was a big thing before the pandemic. You know, my friend, Yurita Vajalba, she said on a podcast once, you know, the black screens aren't a new thing. There were black screens in person where it's just now more obvious to us that they're not there with us, right? So we want everyone to have that sense of belonging. And to me, gratitude is my way to make people feel like they belong, to notice them, to appreciate them, to really make sure they feel that. And so again, there's the equifinality and there's all different ways to do it. I also would say, you know, part of this, and I talk about this in the book too, is I'm a big fan of Castle's three signature practices. Whenever we're coming together, we're going to do a welcoming inclusion activity. There's going to be engaging strategies throughout and an optimistic closure. So I'm a little bit of a person of habit in that way that like when it comes to planning a lesson, when it comes to planning professional learning, I need to have a little bit of a template in my mind as far as how that's going to go. And so using those three signature practices, which by the way, I wouldn't do all three about gratitude. That might be a bit much. And we do know you can actually believe it or not, overdo it on the gratitude practices, but I would make sure that that's happening whenever we come together as a faculty. I would like to see that in classrooms. It's not a you will open with a circle and uh, handing the baton back and forth, but it's a, you know, there should be a welcoming inclusion activity, I think. There should be engaging strategies, and there should be an optimistic closure. That's something I think would make a huge difference for the culture and climate of our schools.
1: Yeah. Welcoming inclusion activity. I mean, I think that's fantastic and we'll link to the castle's three signatures in the show notes for anybody who's listening, who wants to know about that and just as we're on that topic, Laney you're well-versed, you have these 20 contributors, you're reading, you have the psychology major. Our listeners love resources. They love books. Of course, everybody on this call is going to pick up your book and we're going to give away 10 copies to the people on the show today. But are there other resources that you would point at either in the realm of gratitude or just teaching and learning that you say, if you're not steeped in this, go get this stuff?
2: Yeah. So I will say this is hard because there's so many people I love, but I'm going to focus outside of education because I think you gave me permission to do that. So I do talk about habits in the book because I think that's an important thing. This is something we're trying to incorporate into our lifestyle. And so habits are a big deal. So I love James Clear and Katie Milkman for habits. Katie Milkman talks about temptation bundling, which is one of the coolest hacks I've ever heard. And it's basically the idea of bundling one thing that you want to do, but aren't excited to do with something that you can't wait to do. So for me, I love listening to podcasts and I know I need to exercise, but I'm not someone who's just like, yes, let's go to the gym. So I kind of temptation bundle in that I can listen to podcasts when I'm at the gym. And so to me, that's really motivating. If I could give a couple more, Lori Santos has a podcast, The Happiness Lab. I highly recommend that. And as far as relationships and going back to that, I know I keep saying six to one, but you know what I'm saying? The overwhelming positive acknowledgement The Gottmans have talked about, and they study the longevity of romantic relationships and marriage. And they have talked about that the most successful couples are not the ones who notice what's wrong with each other the most. They're the ones who notice what's right with each other the most. So that was way more than you asked for, but I couldn't help myself.
0: (laughs) That's powerful. I love how you ended on that and love the resources, especially outside of education. I think it's easy for us to hear and see the same things and almost, I don't want to say discredit them, but when you get so many of the same emails every day from the same sources, we can become a little numb to them. So hearing like some of the people you mentioned, huge fans also of Clear's work. I'm not as familiar with Katie's work, so I already had wrote notes with stars on that. I'm digging into that but a huge fan of atomic habits. And that has really revolutionized my mornings with the habit stacking and how he describes that my 30 minutes in my morning have become far more effective and productive because I too, Laney, am not a morning person. I stumble out of bed. I wish, you know, I jumped out and was excited. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about you a little bit, Laney. Excellent career in ed. You've transitioned. Now you speak, you write. What does the next three to five years look like for you? But from an impact stance, what kind of impact are you looking to make in education, beyond education? You know, tell our audience like what that looks like for you.
2: It's a tough one. I mean, I'm still evolving, right? If you had asked me five years ago, was I going to write a book on gratitude? I would have been like, I don't see that in the cards. (laughs) I've kind of learned to accept like when these things are shown to you as something you need to pay attention to, to pay attention to those. I have become very happy with writing. So I write a lot for Edutopia. I think my 12th article will come out here. By the way, I talked about the three signature practices. I wrote a couple articles for Edutopia on the three signature practices. If anyone wants to check those out. But I really just want to, as far as an impact, I just want to keep connecting with educators and with kids and really trying to make that impact as far as like, how can we be relationship? How can we be inquiry? How can we focus on these things that are going to not only serve us in this K-12 environment, but really help our kids to be successful, fulfilled, happy when they go on to whatever they're meant to go on to after K-12.
1: I mean, I'm going to use that as a little bit of a transition here to a final question. Is there a book, like maybe using that what you just said, is there a book that you wish someone else would write? Or is there one that you want to write next that has to do with that or even another category if you want?
2: Okay. So I have not announced this anywhere. So big reveal, but I am in the process of thinking about my next book and it's really because... I wanted to keep evolving with gratitude short. So if you've read the book, you'll know I say something like I'm going to try and keep it around hundred pages. I feel like I did pretty good 115, but there's more I have to say about this. And it's really getting into, you know, Joe, I appreciate you bringing up equifinality. I want to do some sort of guided interactive book that gives people practices that they can put their own spin on. And I think TJ, you said adapt, not adopt, right? I want to put together a really interactive, much more design-driven book that will be like super fun for people to go through.
1: We can't wait for that. We'll have to do a round two on this show or one of our others when that comes out for certain, get that in the hands of Delaware leaders and everybody who we connect with around the country through these podcasts. Lainey, this has been awesome. I've got pages and pages of notes. Definitely linking to things in the show notes, including James Clear, Lori Santos, and Katie Milkman, and others, Dwight Carter, Joshua Stamper, your book, Castle's Three Signatures. This has been very rich. People are going to take a ton away from it. Is there anything else that you would like to add that we haven't already talked about?
2: I want to give a quick nod to Dr. Robert Emmons, who is the leading expert on the science of gratitude. If it wasn't for, I am standing on the shoulder of giants to continue to learn and write about gratitude and what this looks like in our learning communities. I'm just so grateful to him. I would highly recommend any of his books. So I would be remiss if I didn't give him a shout out because he is an amazing person and I'm super grateful for him.
1: Thank you for that. And we end with gratitude, Lainey's gratitude for a person who has inspired her. And I hope everybody who's listening is also inspired like we are. This has been fantastic. You heard it here, folks on Focus Ed. Lainey, Raoul, everyone, how about a virtual round of applause from our audience? All right. This podcast was brought to you by the Delaware Academy of School Leadership, the Delaware Department of Education, and the Schoolhouse 302. Don't forget to follow the Schoolhouse302.com for podcasts, blog posts, books to read, and more. We'll be back soon with another episode of Focus Ed. Until then, stay focused.
0: Hey leaders, before you go, one more announcement. We now have available for you our Candid and Compassionate Feedback Masterclass. Really, because of high demand, we are thrilled to offer this. This is a course that we run live and in person all the time and leaders love it. They learn to give feedback with skills that they can use right away, including better praise to lift and celebrate your team. It's now available in a virtual online format that you can take on your own, self-paced from the comfort of your office or home.
1: Here's what you'll get. There are 11 lessons with a focus on nine candor cancellations that we wrote in our Candid and Compassionate Feedback book. These are mistakes that leaders make that we don't want you to make anymore. We'll teach you models so that your feedback is meaningful and we'll give you tools necessary to build the culture that you always wanted. Trust us, without these critical skills, you're not capitalizing on your own capacity to lead better and grow faster. Go to the site, theschoolhouse302.com, click on shop courses, add this course to your cart and start learning today.